Today in the Multiply Podcast, we're continuing our conversation with Jared Terry and John Widrick answering the question, are house churches the future? So jump on in with us as we're joining in in the middle of this conversation. If you missed part one, go back and check it out. Otherwise, here's part two. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that idea of intergenerational connectedness and discipleship happening. And um, so you guys mentioned part of the discipleship process is I can't remember the exact wording, but it was basically about missional engagement. And um, and so we've talked a lot about discipleship. And obviously, one of the fruits that you are a disciple is you're making disciples this reproduction. Um, I would guess maybe if people are listening to this. One thing I may say is what stops people from joining a house church, falling in love with it, and then just plopping down and staying there forever because they finally found a great community? How do you create missional reproduction? Um, how do you guys measure that? Um, what's your measurement of success? What's your measurement of, hey, people are actually being discipled because they're reproducing? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, so we, we actually try to do everything through the house churches so we don't want people to just come to a house church and just gather and that's it so we actually we're trying to mobilize them constantly so for example we just had a local missions project called eco we mobilized all the house churches through that so we're constantly instead of like creating hey we we're gonna do this and sign up or text in we're just saying hey we're gonna we're gonna pipeline everything through the house churches and then we mobilize them we've even done that with um you know various different uh, needs that we've had for volunteers within the church gathering for our celebration services, we mobilize them for that. So instead of saying, hey, let's get people to be ushers or, hey, let's get people to serve on a camera or, hey, let's do this. We've been mobilizing our house churches to be those people on celebration service. So they're they're coming in a house church and then um, their they're celebration service, they're serving in some way. Um, and we've seen that really, really be beneficial where we've had uh, specific spaces where we haven't been able to get people to sign up for things and then we just started mobilizing the house churches and they were in they're like yeah we'll do it we'll serve we'll serve. and and we have them do it as a group so they'll literally all show up at a specific time and then somebody our team member mobilizes them big shout mm-hmm. out to bella right now because she's amazing bella is our uh our house church administrator and she just kills it so bella if you're listening you're amazing <laughs> But yeah, and we've seen that that they're just consistently missional in that. And so even empowering them at your house church. So we we have house church leaders, and then we have someone that is a co-leader. So we're looking to empower them to be able to multiply so that they will eventually take their house church. Um, so we're always looking to multiply. We're always looking to send, always looking to empower. So, um, so the idea is if there's a co-leader or a assistant leader or whatever, mm-hmm. the hope is that that person is going to be looking to launch their own house church eventually. Is that kind of the goal? Yeah, yeah. not even hope. I mean, it's, it's that's, happening. That's happening. Yeah. Right. That's, and we, that's and we, the, yeah. we have a, uh, actually, she, you mentioned Bella. Uh, her husband, his name is Jordan, and, and they actually, they already reproduced two times over. Yeah. And so right now what they're navigating is, just rebuilding their house church because they've raised up co-leaders within their house church. And then they've allowed those co-leaders to take people from their from the house church gathering to kind of do their own. And so now they're kind of just reproducing the process to find a new co-leader, train them up, raise them up, and probably continue to release. I think if our hearts are, we want to make disciples, then we, we have to be looking at the disciples that we're making and asking the question, are they making disciples? Sure. Because if, if we're if we're not if we can't answer yes to that question, then are they really a disciple? Yeah. Right. And that's a scary question to ask, but 
man, if, if I'm not making disciples, am I really a disciple of Jesus? And I just don't see a biblical explanation for yes. I, I don't see a biblical explanation for the fact that you can be a disciple of Jesus and not make disciples. And so, um, yeah, I think that our hearts with our house churches are that we would always be reproducing, that we would always be open hands, not holding to so, sort of this gathering. I'm always going to be with these people, but we're always just having those conversations um, where, hey, we might, we might, you know, we're, we're reproducing like we this we're going to be breaking into other houses like this is just part of what we do. And here's why. Yep. And uh, and so that's that's been really exciting. I think that's so valuable what you're saying. It's important to keep casting vision for what this really is about. This is not just about decentralizing the church into uh, smaller churches everybody just wants to hide in, right? And so keeping that vision in front of them that we are multiplying. And sometimes you have to not kill something, but you have to, um, before people fall in love with something to a point where they won't give it up, you have to help them realize in the beginning, like, this is not what it's about. It's not just about you having a great time on Sundays. It's about reaching as many people as we can and then helping you reach your potential as a disciple maker. Yeah. And so everyone who attends one, I'm sure part of the vision is everyone who attends one should eventually, by God's grace, lead one, right? Yeah. And, and and even go form your own house church as opposed to even be given one or recruiting from an existing house church. Who are the people even outside of Calvary's uh, love that you're in relationship with, that you're discipling and leading to Christ, either, you know, either leading them to Christ or leading them in Christ. And so I think um, I love so much what you guys are saying about the thoughtfulness behind the way you're 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 talking about it, the way you guys are executing it, the way you guys are just celebrating it too. And, and the idea that it's actually affected your, your large gatherings, mm-hmm. the, the way in which your language within your large gatherings has shifted to celebrate these things as not being the sort of secondary add-on, but vital to the life of a disciple, um, I think that's fantastic. So, share share with me a little bit about the Sunday morning sacrifice because um, I, I bet there's a lot of lead pastors like David who are very skittish on this. They're very skeptical, <laughs> and um, and uh, one of the things I'm right here. You don't have to speak for me. <laughs> I I would think one of the things that would make people a little bit nervous about this is the idea that you're giving up a Sunday morning to do this, right? Yeah. Um, it's not on a Wednesday night. It's not on you know, pick a night of the week, do whatever you want. It's like, no, we're, we're giving up the sacred cow kind of in, in church. And so you got a lot of things like offering. What do you do with offering children's ministry? Um, a whole variety of things that you're now giving up. Hey, we've, we're paying a mortgage on this building. Now it's sitting empty. Is that a waste of resources? So share with us a little bit about, I'm sure you guys have had those conversations and thought through that kind of thought process tell us a little bit about where why you landed where you landed and feeling like this is a worthy sacrifice yeah well first of all we're learning man like we are (laughs) we are learning and like we we have so much still to learn like about you know everything we just we we love to have conversations about all of that because um you know you learn from from doing it wrong a lot of times yeah um and so one of the things that was important to us with the fact that it wasn't comfortable. Actually, if I could go back to the conversations that we had with our executive team about moving toward this, like there was some pretty <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. conversations around it. Like, because like you said, that's a, that's a big thing to, to do. You know, that's a big decision to make. Um, I think that what really made us believe in, you know, going in this direction was the fact that 
and this is a great thing to implement across the board, that we said, okay, we're gonna try this for a few months and reevaluate. And then we're gonna try, you know, continue forward for a few more months and reevaluate. And so what that did was it gave everybody who had a seat at the table and making the decision, the ability to say like, hey, going into this, we're not decided out front, like this is always gonna be what we do on a Sunday morning, it's always gonna be this way because we just have to see how that goes. And I think that the fruit has spoken for itself. And those who have really, you know, maybe struggled with it more on the front end, you know, haven't struggled with it as much because they've seen so much fruit from the actual discipleship process being strengthened through this change. Um, the other thing that we've done is that we just, we thought it would be important for our house churches to continue to, to hear from their pastoral leadership even on those weeks that they're in a house church. Um, so one of the questions that, you know, the listeners might be thinking is like, well, what about the online service? Like, what do you guys do on the weeks that you're in house church for the online service? Or, you know, are they only hearing from their pastor twice a month? What does that mean? You know? And so we've created a piece where we, we create basically a video of a conversation. That's our, that's our online piece on the week of house church, but it's also used in the house church. And it's a conversation between a past, typically one of our pastors, and then a host who would like engage on the scripture. So like I said earlier, we're going through the book of Mark. So we'll have a conversation around that chapter in the scripture. And that conversation might be anywhere from like 15 to 25 minutes in length. And then that would be used in the house churches to sort of uh, springboard the house church into their own conversation around the word. And so we'll, we'll provide the house churches with some some deeper some go deeper questions uh, from those scriptures. But what we're expecting is that everybody going to their house church has already read that chapter in Mark. Mm-hmm. They're already coming in with their own questions and their own ideas about what they read in scripture. Mm-hmm. And now they're hearing from uh, one of their pastors on that on that section as well and getting some some more depth into that through a conversation through a video piece. And then they're having more conversation around it in their house church as well. And so it's really causing our, our people, like our church, to really go deeper in the word. It's causing them to really sort of take their own responsibility for the scripture. But it's still allowing us as pastors to feel like we get to continue to speak into the lives of our people on a weekly basis. John, you oversaw the youth ministry for quite a while at Calvary's Love. And so one of the things maybe people are listening or wondering is, is there a role for demographic ministries in your model what does it look like? How does it align? You've talked about intergenerational discipleship, which is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Are you guys still doing anything specifically for children, for youth? And what does it look like? How has it evolved? How does it fit into your strategy? Yeah, we are. Um, I really believe with my whole heart that the large gathering is never is going to be the best it's ever been in the future. I do. And I, I, I believe just as much as that as I do in uh, house churches and these and these smaller gatherings, too. And so, uh, obviously, we haven't fully reopened 100% like we did before, but our approach has been um, to start small, um, where we have had youth small groups happening um, midweek, um, and so those have been continuing. Um, and then we are actually meet once a month right now, the first Wednesday of each month for our large youth gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have ju- we've just been trying to leverage both. How do we really... Uh, help people in house churches see intergenerational ministry as a necessity where there's strong mentorship happening and continually, uh, you know, creating opportunities for that. And then also, um, you know, 
capitalizing on the fact that we do have, like you said, these buildings that, that are, are great and that we can utilize for large gatherings and that um, that's going to bring people in that maybe have never been to a house church or maybe never been to a small group. And how do we move them through the discipleship process so we're not just reaching a certain demographic, but we're reaching everybody. And that's what's been great about our house churches is we have house churches that are very widely and very diverse spread out um, in, in uh, you know, our, our city. So it's been really, really encouraging. We have rural, we have suburban, we have metro. So it's really cool to see all of that work together. Um, as far as kids are concerned, um, same thing. Like we just, we just really try to maximize as much as we can with our children's workers and, and uh, we have a community center. So we're mobilizing people into our community center. So people that have never served into our community center are starting to serve um, you know, alongside the children there because of house churches, because we're pipelining everything through that. And so it's really causing the church to just see that uh, it's not up to the pastors or the people on staff to produce everything that we all have to own this. And our job as, as leaders is to empower them, to empower their gifts and abilities to be used, um, for, for the gospel. And mm-hmm. God has given them incredible gifts. And we've seen that, like there's people that are so gifted that I, I just like, see these gifts in people that they've been sitting there mm-hmm. and I'm like, how could they be sitting there for so many years and never be using these amazing gifts? And I've just seen these people like in our church, just, uh, just serve in such beautiful ways with the giftings that God has given them. And we just see it every single week. And, uh, it's really exciting to see, you know? So. Yeah. I felt that same way before David was on this podcast. <laughs> It's like all these years, you're so gifted, and you never, I'm never just released. To find it. some gifts in you, Jerry. I've been <laughs> looking, <laughs> been looking so hard. <laughs> um, I was just like so passionate. I'm like, yeah. You're like, oh yeah, we're gonna. Just well, to, I just gotta. <laughs> our listeners, they don't. If it gets too heavy on them, they yeah, get yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, so, get uh, just a follow up logistics question: As someone yeah. is listening and understanding the process of what you guys have been doing, you know, it's this is different than uh, small groups, right? There's a lot of. Were you a small groups church before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious as to the difference in your guys' perspective between small groups, and obviously the frequency is different, mm-hmm. but small groups tend to run in cycles, and there mm-hmm. tends to be a sign-up process. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to the process. If I were to attend Calvary's Love, kind of be in that C-Love environment, um, decide I want to take this step, what does that, you know, that look like? Because this also sounds different than another thing I hear a lot about, which is missional communities, because missional communities are very geographically driven. And you said you have people driving 30 miles to your house church, whereas in a missional community it would be like, you get with the people that live in your community mm-hmm. and you live incarnationally right there together. Mm-hmm. And again, these are all different strategies to accomplish the same thing of making disciples. Sure. So if I'm new to Calvary's Love and I'm feeling connected and I'm interested in a house church, what does that look like at this point in, in your guys' system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I remember a leader saying that like he was talking to another leader and that they had said like, hey, we got small groups figured out. What we do is that we just figure out like where these, like who, where people are already connected in relationships. So we find these affinity groups and then we just kind of like throw our content into those groups. So then that way, like basically, you know, they're already connected. They're already in relationship. Let's just throw the content that we're wanting them to go through. And now we're not having to sort of like fight with people to kind of get into these communities because they're, they're already in these communities. And he goes, and, and it's just helping our small groups to explode and take off. And this is, this is like, just, this is where it's at. And he goes, he's like, you know, that's great. He goes, but like, how do you need the gospel to love those people? Like how, if, if you're already in relationship with them, then like, how are you depending on the gospel to actually like show them love? 
And I remember that being such a great question that really like led John and I to really think, you know, about how we were doing this and how we were mm. leveraging intentional communities. Because the truth is, is that there's pe there's people in all of our lives where we just naturally love them. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to love them. Like yeah. we just connect, you know, there's so much we have in common, but then there's other people where it's like, man, I really need to depend on the gospel to show this person love. Like, right they don't smell good or man they just like think differently than me or they're yeah. part of that political belief or they think this about covid whatever it might be <laughs> and so there's so many things dividing the church and i think that our hearts are that we would actually engage community in a way where we really are depending on jesus mm. to show love and so um with that in mind then we have a lot of different, like I would say, on-ramps for people to be able to get into a house church because we don't want anybody to be left behind. We don't mm -hmm. want anybody to just kind of hear about these things and go, wow, that's great, but I was never invited, you know? Um, so we, like I mentioned earlier at the celebration service, which is step one of our discipleship process, we're always gonna talk about step two. So we're always gonna talk about house churches and give people an on-ramp there. But we really want there to be always, always, always this like relational approach to inviting someone and bringing someone into a house church. So regardless of maybe how they find out about it, how they sign up, which we create a lot of different channels for that, there's always going to be a phone call from the house church leader to the person to say, hey, we want you to be part of our house church. Like, will you come out and will you join us? Do you Are your house church leaders on those celebration gathering weeks, are they coming in there with the mentality of not recruiting, I don't like the word, but looking for, for looking for people who are not connected. Mm -hmm. And is that an environment that is strategic for them to find people who aren't in house churches and then relationally pull them in as opposed to pushing them through some sort of a sign-up process? Yeah, we've seen, I, I, one of the biggest ways that we've seen the house churches grow is just by people that, house church leaders that have already been uh, around people that aren't coming to church and then have been more missional in, the voice, in their workplace, in the marketplace, um, in that context. So we've seen a lot of growth from that aspect of things when it comes to the celebration service i think what we really try to prioritize with house church leaders coming in is one being missional when they're coming in mm -hmm. and then two um engaging with the people that are in their house church there so that they can they you know sitting together they're connecting um and then also um i think one of the ways that one of the ways that we're trying to to on-ramp people that are coming in for their first time is again through this they do have the sign up process but then immediately following that week so if someone signs up on sunday you know we're following up with them immediately um on tuesday mm -hmm. and so we're making those connections so that they can they can get plugged in and we have a series of questions and things like that that we just talk to them about to try to find the best place for them and we've seen people jump right in i mean can you imagine going to church you check out a church you go in and then next week you're not at that building, but you're in, in somebody's house home. and you're connecting yeah. with a bunch of people. So to answer your, your first question about how is small, how are small groups different than house churches? Mm -hmm. in, in some ways, I, I think there's, there's so many similarities to it. And so I, I think a church with a, with a great discipleship strategy could use the word small groups and have midweek and kill it. Mm -hmm. Totally. I really, the, the biggest difference I would say is we're really trying to empower the house church leader as almost like, like for example, Francis Chan, uh, we went through their whole training series with them um, digitally, which is really great. We learned so much from those guys. They're amazing. Um, it was like, how many weeks was it? Like, I don't know, six weeks or something like that. Yeah, We Are Church, yeah, if we you want to check that out. It's definitely a great resource. Yeah, so we went through that. Um, and uh, 
we re- they actually have they call them house church pastors and so they actually take that term like hey we're gonna have pastors like over each house church right and so we we really realize like we want to really empower the house church leader at a at a at a level that we maybe have never empowered a small group leader hmm. and so that with doing that we have been very diligent about training so we have we have mobilized um, digital training um, through serve hq if you haven't checked out serve hq it's incredible you can do digital training through them they're amazing what they do so we we send out a training video every single week we have house church they get a training video that's about anywhere between two to eight minutes and we highlight something for them as a house church leader to grow we have um house church we have coaches and then we have house church leaders so the coaches are constantly having conversations together as coaches that because each coach is serving a certain amount of house church leaders and then we're having um, conversations as coach because every coach has their own house church as well Mm -hmm. and so we're we're constantly making sure that there's accountability that there's uh that we're empowering our house church leaders to the level that we would almost say hey we're not going to empower a house church leader unless we would basically i mean look at this person is maybe someone as potential staff someday. Like we care about them that much. Like we want them to just do incredible with their group mm-hmm. and serve them almost like the same as a pastor would, you know? Yeah. And so we, we literally said that to them, like we are delegating an incredible amount of spiritual authority. We want you to empower them as you would your own church. Like think of it that way. Yeah. I think it's so important what you just said, because somebody could listen to this podcast and go, I like the model. I'm going to run with it. But they need to hear what you just said, which is the level of empowerment is also supplemented by this this very strategic, ongoing equipping, mm-hmm. accountability, coaching, people speaking into lives, not just open up your home and go go crazy. Yeah, yeah. But like so that's so that's so important because you know, there's this need to learn, need to know ongoing thing for leaders. And if someone's not speaking into it, leaders can get off track, lose their motivation, mm-hmm. lose their joy, wonder if anyone cares, and then feel like they're just another cog in the machine, which is what a lot of people feel like on yeah. Sunday morning right. services, right? Yeah. And so I think that's so crucial. And the only thing I want to say, and I know we got to wrap, is... Can, um, I, can I just speak to that real yeah, quick? sure. All right, one thing we've learned is that, so we have a great spread of different generations on our leadership team, which is really healthy. And we learned that like, you know, and I don't know, you know, who might be thinking this as, as uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, but you might be thinking like, man, I've seen house churches and I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause people be- think anarchy. Yeah. You know? What do you think of house churches? Yeah, exactly. And we've learned that some from the older generation have experienced some legitimate, like, um, concern, like have legitimate concerns because they've experienced some really unhealthy things mm-hmm. with people that just break away from the church and then they become like this little subgroup sort of against the church in a house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're not doing that, you know? And, and we listen, we want to say we completely agree with you because if there isn't a high level of accountability and equipping and a good, well thought out structure for that, like it will create problems in the yeah. church. Yeah, it actually won't sure. bring health to the church. It will create problems. And I, I mean, like, it, you know, I, like I said earlier, we're still learning and I don't think that, you know, we have that all figured out, but we do, we are very intentional about consistently meeting, you know, that coach level leadership in our church are pastors or pastor level leaders. And those people are meeting consistently with their house church leaders. And that has to happen for them to be healthy or else there's always going to be this sort of, because we've seen it, John and I have seen, 
in you know around these conversations sort of this almost like well yeah let's do this new thing and break away from the church and if that's our hearts in, in any of this then that's not something that's honoring christ yeah. and it's christ's church not ours and so he can't bless that well and i think you spoke to one of the dangers of that mindset which is often that manifests itself in people who are very like-minded same season of life same political views same religious views and D.A. Carson, in his book, Love in Hard Places, is one of my favorite definitions of the church. He says, the church is a band of natural enemies who love each other for Jesus' sake. Yeah. And I think as pastors, we all know they're learning to love each other <laughs> for Jesus' sake. And commonality and even, ge- even proximity and shared interest, that's all useful. But if our, if our, as the people of God, if what holds us together is those things more than a shared love for Jesus and his mission, then ultimately those things become part of the problem eventually. Right. And I think that's part of what you guys, sounds like what you guys are doing so well, is that especially since you're calling it house churches, not small groups, not something else, because the word church is connected, for me it's more important than, than in other strategies that those environments actually reflect a diverse group of people who would not naturally choose to hang out. Yeah. But they're together because of Jesus. That's right. And, and that has to be, if, that I think is so important to reflect both in the large service but also if you're going to call it a house church, it needs to be reflected in some way in that environment as well. It sounds like something you guys have given a lot of thought to. So, so. Yeah. Hey, we're going to wrap up here. I just want to say, like, this has been a phenomenal conversation. And um, I think both these guys have been careful not to say this is the only this is not the only method or strategy, but I do appreciate one thing I do appreciate is your guys' willingness and and um, and your pastor's willingness to say, how do we as the church adapt to changing times? Mm-hmm. How do we uh, uh, make sure we're making disciples intentionally in a strategy? And and our country's changing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not impossible to think that we churches are gonna could lose tax exemption, and then c- can we own all these buildings, right? And people are changing. People are busier. You got so you guys are getting more digital. You're you're hitting a lot of things. And and I and I think hey, it may not be the only strategy, but I appreciate the. Um, adaptive leadership to go, how do we make sure we're still discipling people in a yeah. changing world in a changing time? And, and I think that's an important lesson for whoever's listening to, to be willing to, to say, there's not really any sacred cows other than the gospel and the fact that we need to make disciples. And mm-hmm. so, um, so as we close, um, I know you guys know this cause you're friends with David and, and you've listened to the podcast before we do a little thing called David's eats. Cause, um, as much as we want to make better leaders, we also really are passionate about making better eaters. Um, David actually honestly cares more about that than leadership. So, um, so we, we want to hear from you guys. Okay. And here's how we're going to do this. We want to hear, since 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 this is your first time on, we probably, I don't know, Dave, we probably won't have these guys back, my guess is, right? <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about that privately. <laughs> okay, They're sorry. They're still here. Um, I want to hear your last meal last meal question, all right? You, can, you get one last meal, what is it going to be? And if it's from a restaurant, you could do that, but, like, what's... What's your what's your last go to? Like their last meal. Well, if it wasn't for me and John's life, his last meal would have been Applebee's. Wow, that's called disciple. That's discipleship. I have disciple in the same way that David has discipled you in food. <laughs> I have discipled John, and I'm so proud of it because he's sure. come so far. I have. <laughs> he's a regular foodie now. Uh, I don't know. I'd call myself that, but yeah, I definitely have. I'm in the pro. I haven't made other people foodies though, so I don't think I'm a true disciple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what's your last meal, John? Last meal ever. Um, definitely gonna go with. Oh, I'm definitely gonna get 
fajitas, man. Fajitas. Mm. Some guac, good guac, some Mexican go. salsa. What's your protein? Queso. What's your go-to protein? Oh, man, steak, chicken. All of it. Yeah, all okay, of it. Okay, so you're ordering from Chili's to go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, how about you? Well, my mom is from the Netherlands, and there's a lot of uh, Indonesian influence hmm. in the cuisine Interesting. in the Netherlands, and um, you can do the history on that to find out why, but I will spare you the details. So because of that, um, Indonesian food is a huge love of mine, and my mom will always, when she goes to the Netherlands, bring back spices and these special spices are what make it. And so I would say my mother's Indonesian cooking. You're welcome, Mom. Making you proud right now. Yeah, wow. that's a good boy. Is there anything that we've... I don't think I've had Indonesian food. Is there anything we've had that would be similar? Any other cuisines that you would say it's it's kind of like the um, cousins of each other? Yeah, so I would say like if you... Obviously, you've had Thai and maybe yeah. you've had like the um, like chicken skewers with like peanut sauce. Yeah. Uh, that's a James little bit. Satay. That's a little bit similar. Like okay. you know, the peanut sauce is a is a part of that. Yeah. And but yeah, Indonesian food is is incredible. Not a lot of places that you can get that locally. So I no, gotta yeah. depend on mom for that. I don't think there's an Indonesian place in Syracuse. We have Burmese and Ethiopian and some, but of course Vietnamese and Thai. But I don't think I've ever had Indonesian food. So. I'm going to take that as an invitation to the Terry household. Yeah, we're sometime. looking forward to. We'll do I'll a, let Esther know. We'll do a live yeah, podcast have to from have it. Us all over. Yeah. <laughs> She's all it. about it. That sounds that. great. Guys, thanks so much for being on. We appreciate you. Yeah. And um, hey, if people want to hit you up, if they've got questions, um, what's the best way? Could they get a hold of you? Social media or email or anything? Or, or do you cell guys? Cell phone numbers. Cell phone, home yeah, addresses. Yeah, I probably won't get give my cell phone number because I don't want to be that relational with people. I'm <laughs> uh, yeah. Instagram on there, John Widrick, um, Facebook. Yep. Jared Paul Terry, Instagram. Um, I've gone on a bit of a social, you know, break, but I'll probably check back here and there. And, and what's find the church you. website? Um, you can, you can also email me at Jared Terry at gmail.com. J E R O D T E R R Y at gmail.com. Love to have conversations with people, whatever we can do to equip the church or any leaders we're all about it awesome did i miss did you already say the church website no if they no, want calvarysloved.org okay calvarysloved.org yeah is there info on there about house churches and some of that yeah yep. Yep. yep yep and we actually are under construction right now so be patient with us but yeah you can check out the website yeah youtube's on there too you can check out youtube and you'll see some of those conversation pieces that we actually have we oh, address house churches so you can go on youtube and check out those conversations that we have every other week yep calvary's love church on youtube Awesome. And, uh, that way you can see kind of what, what our videos for the house church gathering actually look like in those conversation That's pieces. That's great. Perfect. Thanks so much, guys. This has been great. This is the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.